students, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective. You know, media is very powerful. Right now, I'm talking to you through a camera lens and through a microphone and earpiece. And it can touch your heart, it can make you really upset, but also it can entertain you and actually change your heart. And today I have a really special guest on here that is doing just that. He is moving and shaking the world of Hollywood. Yes, I said it, Hollywood, and other realms in the entire world across the internet as well. My friend's name is Chris Dowling, and Chris is an American screenwriter and film director. He wrote the screenplay for film Priceless, a movie about human trafficking, and directed Run the Race, he also wrote and directed Where Hope Grows and most recently was part of writing for this fabulous movie that I just saw, Blue Miracle on Netflix. Chris, Chris, Hello. oh my gosh, dude, like what the heck? Like you're just doing everything. Like how do you not like, how do you like not freak out? Cause you're like probably super busy writing and producing and directing. Can you tell us? Who are you, first of all? Like, where did you come? Where did you come from? Like, come on, dude. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing time right now. I mean, I feel like, first of all, I feel like the time is right for these inspirational movies. Like, it's the escapism we're all looking for. Like, this world is so crazy. So, like, just the idea that like we can go escape to watch, you know, a movie that gives us hope, inspiration, like reminds us how we're all connected, like all that stuff. Like, that's already like kind of my thing. So it was like. It's just kind of the perfect launching time um, for, you know, for me to be as busy as I've ever been. And, um, and so, like, I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, my family, we just moved from L.A., got out of that Hollywood and moved to, you know, to <laughs> Dallas. And uh, but fortunately, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm, I got to take my work with me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm busier than I've ever been. So it was like it's an easy transition and, um, and it's just great while I'm here. So right. So what made you so like interested in television and producing and directing? What what drew you to this genre, like as far as just this work in general? Well, I mean, I always wanted to do something creative. So like when, when I was uh, younger, I actually grew up until I was 17. I was out here in, in Dallas and then my best friend moved to Hollywood, started working immediately. And then he was like, ah, you know, I. I need a roommate. And of course, like any knucklehead 17 year old, I'm like, I'm coming out there with you, man. And um, <laughs> So, uh, so I went out there, but I, you know, again, always wanted to write. And, um, so I just started writing and I was doing a little acting at the time. Cause why not when in Rome? So I was doing like, I was on a soap for a little bit and stuff and that was fun. No way. Um, well, hold on. What soap were you on? I used to watch soap operas. I, I had a little, I mean, I had like a 19 episode, uh, arc, uh, on uh, days of our lives. Um, I was, <gasps> Chaz, I was Chaz, the party guy. And, um, oh I was my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Which, wow. Which was heartbreaking because on the show, I was this really bad guy. Like I shot Bo Brady with, you know, like, and I, I was just, I was a bad dude. And then, so it was crazy. So I go, you I go shot to Bo Brady. Brady. You shot Bo Brady. You did not shoot Bo Brady. Or Peter Brady. <laughs> I don't know. I shot one of the Bradys. We had a gunfight. I don't remember. I don't know my Brady's very well, but, but it was crazy. And I remember I, I went to set that day and I'd forgotten to read my lines and I opened up my lines and in the scene, my guy turns good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I called my mom from the dressing room. I said, mom, they're turning me good. They're keeping me, you know, praise God, this is awesome. 
And then I never heard again. I literally left that day on set and then I guess that was the end of my character. So it was terrible. But um, I turned good in the last episode and then they just never invited me back. So well, a, what did that one. what did that feel like just being successful for a while in a soap opera? Did, what did that bring to you? Like as far as your did you feel more confident about your acting skills? Did you feel like this is a start of a career or what, what, what was that transition for you? Uh, you know what? It was really, it was a really weird timing. Cause I had just become a Christian. And so like, to be honest with you, man, like all this stuff that I thought was mattering to me, like didn't really matter that much. And so when I was done, um, I was kind of like, I, I called my manager and I was like, yeah, I don't really want to act anymore. I think I want to write and direct and do other things. And, um, which was really funny because I gave him one of my scripts and he goes, I don't read my actor's scripts. And I said, just please. He goes, I always have to tell him it sucks. And then they get mad and he read it and he <laughs> called me back. He called me back and he goes, you might be a better writer than you are an actor. And I was like, oh, wow. I don't know if that's, that's good or bad when your acting manager tells you you might be a better writer than you are an actor. So, um, so anyways, it was a cool transition. And then I was like, man, I just want to create stuff. And, um, and you know, and who knows, maybe one day in a Western, I'll ride a horse and shoot a gun. And you know what? On, I mean, so, so do you, I mean, is one of your expertises writing screenplays? Is that something that oh, yeah, you're good sure. at? Yes. Wow. I believe I and and so then what after your days of our lives skit right you kind of go into writing and directing like i mean what 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 was that transition like and and uh how fast was that transition was it like this or was it like a process for you no it is like a slow burn and thankfully along the way I got, I got married, um, had kids, and I had a, a wonderful wife that stuck through me and understood what I was trying to do, even though times were so lean. Um, but you know what? I always say this, man. God is like, for me, has always been the great carrot dangler. And there's been so many times where I'm laying in bed and I'm like, man, I should just be selling insurance or I should just be selling cars or doing anything but trying this crazy screenwriting thing. Right. And I kid you not, like that day, something will happen. Like my manager will call and it, it, it might not work out, but at least it was enough mm-hmm. to go, you know what? Okay. I'm actually in the right thing. What am I thinking about? Keep focused. And I mean, that's kind of pushed me through 20 years. So it's like, I think in the last probably four or five years has been the first time I've ever actually been able to like, where I can just support the family completely off, you know, the, the, the writing and directing. Right. So, you know, there was, it was a long run. We were grinding and hustling. Yeah. So, so the thing is a lot of people would watch this or listen and go, well, you know, he can get into this. It's that easy. And it's really not that easy. Like what you're saying is you did something for a long time. And then finally you get that break. Like what to you is your, was your first break, Chris? What was that? Um, my first, it's funny. My first break was in 2008. I think it was 2008. Um, I had a three other buddies who were all first time producers. And we said, can you, they said, do you have a script we could do for a hundred thousand dollars? And I said, yes, let's just all scrap it together. So we all collected money together. And then, and then it, we had the craziest thing where we had all these crazy actors that started signing on to do the movie. And it was a hundred thousand dollar budget. And so I got to direct it because it was only a hundred thousand dollars. So no one's going to come direct that movie. And, um, <laughs> and so, so it was, so we finished the movie and it turned out it was cool, man. It turned out it was a crazy year cause it was 2008. So there was no money and like, there weren't a lot of uh, things getting picked up, but that at least got me one under my belt where I had a you know, feature film written, directed with stars in it. So that was kind of the first thing, but the really thing I think that really, and then also kind of shot me into the faith genre was in 20 and maybe 2012 or 2013, a uh, rich mm-hmm. police with a fun films brought me on to, um, to rewrite um, a project called the remaining, which is a faith-based horror film that Sony did. 
And, um, and so once that happened, like that really kind of people saw that and they dug that and it, that's the domino effect, right? They would see the one thing, like then I did word help grows. And then, um, you know, uh, somebody saw that and said, Hey, you need to meet these guys for King and country for priceless. And then it price. And so it's just like, it's kind of, right. you know, as, as it's rolling, the train starts going and people are like, Ooh, I like what you did. I want to bring you along. And, and so that's kind of how it happened. And it just, but again, it's a slow burn because I mean, these things take forever. That's so good. You said you wrote a faith-based horror film. That That's the kind of film I want to watch. I know that people are like, well, I can't believe you, Annie. But no, I love that stuff. I love stuff that scares you really bad. But then you bring that faith piece into there. Hey, you don't have to be scared of the boogeyman. Guess what? We, we have faith. We have Jesus, right? So that's really cool. Now, the other thing is, I'm going to ask you just an off the off the record question. How do you not write or become a cheesy inspirational film director, producer, writer? How do you not do that? Can you give people some pointers? Yes. Um, so, I mean, look, and I'm watching this is a full disclaimer. There's different <laughs> lanes, different faith people in the movies they like and create. So everyone's got a lane. Um, fortunately for me, I didn't grow up in or even watch any kind of faith films. And I, most of them I would say I still don't watch, but I watched a variety of other films and I got around other people that I respected that were making not faith films, but films I thought were pretty good. And I got around really creative people. And the idea to me is you start with a narrative. You don't start with an idea of like, Oh, this needs to be the story about this. And then you kind of reverse engineer it, which I think happens a lot. It's like, I want to tell a good story with realistic characters and then I want to have them go on, you know, some kind of journey inside of this, typically a faith journey. But like it's it's a discovery process. So as uh, the audience, we're discovering it as well. Not like it's thrown in our face, but there's a little bit of like mental detective work as you know, you're watching these characters and you're finding affinity for them. And then, um, dude, it's 20 years. I've been writing for 20 years. So it's like dialogue is is. Um, there's a lot of faith movies where people have dialogue that's never even really happened in real life. I mean, they have conversations. You're like, no one's ever had that conversation. Exactly. Life. Oh, that's so yeah. good. That's so good. Like you're, you're really getting to the heart. Go ahead. No, and I was gonna say, but I mean, for me, it's like, I, I'll sit there now and I, I just, I think I have a knack for writing different characters, whether they're just like me or opposite of me, whether it's dealing with addiction, like in where hope grows or a down a character with down syndrome, where hope grows or, Latino characters and Blue Miracle or, you know, it's just like having empathy for these characters and being able to write a different voice. I think um, a lot of faith films, they write the same character over and over again. And, um, and, and they're afraid. And a lot of times they're afraid of edge and giving their characters. And, and, and the other thing is, and, um, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of rambling or, you know, I don't know if this is diarrhea of the mouth at this point right now, but the other thing that we're doing right here is like, it's, it's, the, it's, it, the story feels so familiar every time where it's, you know, the character in the first act, they lose their faith typically. Then they hear a sermon of some sort. The sermon around them is the second act. And the third act, they find it and they're better than ever. And it's such a clear path. And it happens in yes. so many faiths. And it just feels so inauthentic to me. And so I strive for authenticity, for grit, for organic things. And, and my idea is I want people that don't like faith-based films or don't even have a faith to watch it and take away things from that and go, dude, like, like at the end, I think we should be asking questions instead of slamming a door and saying, and this is how it all happens. Like I'd rather yeah. people walk away and be affected by it and then go, right. I want to learn more about this. or I want to talk to people about this or like, what does this mean? Like the, to engage instead of just kind of give a sermon, that would be right. kind of, you know, and, and we have to, 
it's really good what you're saying, because what about the people that have never believed before and they don't even know what the heck's going on and they start watching your film and then they're like, uh, what is this about? Oh, this is this is Christian. I'm going to shut it off. Some people will turn something off or leave a theater sometimes if they're offended because it's a preachy type of thing where it's, you know, you know, this and I've and I've seen people react. I've sat next to people going, oh, why do they have to do a bunch of scripture in here? And I'm not saying there's nothing. There is nothing wrong with that. But when you're trying to reach that audience that doesn't understand what that means, you know, or what the message is trying to be portrayed. And it's not in, especially if the message is is uh, is kind of condemning of, oh, I'm doing this type of lifestyle. I should quit. Now, you know, I want to talk about Blue Miracle because Blue Miracle it's a fan, it's a movie for everyone. Like it's, it really drew me in. First of all, the cin- cinematography and the music and the, the sounds of it, it just drew me in of when uh, Omar, right, was a little boy and he's remembering his trauma and he's like stuck on that boat with his dad and that beautiful, oh my gosh, how did you guys get those, those scenes? The, uh, you know, of the, the ocean and the, and the sun setting and, and just, it, it was just so good. Uh, the way it was written was super real. Uh, I, I really identified with some of the, the Latino characters because my husband's Latino. So I, <laughs> it was so, I can't wait for him to see it by the way, Oz. Um, I was really impressed by the writing and also the, the climax. I loved I loved Wade's character so much. Um, I, I know that, you know, whatever. It's a, it's based on a true story, so we can say base. But I just loved how you character developed him. But then Omar and the struggle between the two, right? And then how Omar's, his dealer came back into his life. His old, like, gangster boy came back in his life and was like, dude, what are you doing? You're, I mean, look at you. You're running an orphanage. Like, he was kind of putting him down, like, what if, what if everyone knew the real you? Like, that was real to me because, yeah. you know. Well, we had, <laughs> go ahead. We all have a past, right? And, like, so we were trying to show that, like, in our past, if we let it, like, it's easy to get back into it. And so, I mean, that was, that was, was, that was about that, is just showing where, you know, this is where he came from and how easy it could be for him to turn to it because it, it, that felt like the easy solution. But, right. you know, he had, he had faith that there was going to be another way out. And I think that's important. Um, but I mean, Without yeah, you spoilers. Asked, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you asked how we shot it. In the Dominican, they have a, um, a I water know. tank. So yes. they, they shot it in a water tank and the water tank right. ends and the ocean just goes out past it. So it's like, so they right. can control that area. So it's super cool. That is brilliant. You know, also, I mean, I, it was based on, of course, Mexico, and, but the angles, and I know that they used those uh, drone cameras, so it was just really pleasing to the eye. Uh, also, the end made me cry. We won't do spoilers here, but, you know, I just really appreciate the the way everything was developed I mean, just like you said, your the writing style. It wasn't like thrown in your face. Oh, I'm watching a sermon. Uh, I've I've pulled away from my faith. Like it doesn't really signify where the faith started or ended in this movie, particularly. But what's really important, what I liked about it, is it brought two people together with different agendas, and they both became unified in the very end. Right. So. I just, man, plus I love fishing. So I'm just like, 
there. And I have gone, I've gone marlin fishing in Hawaii. And yes, I did not catch one. <laughs> well, uh, it's not easy, but, easier said than done. But thought I was but, going to, I was so excited, but go ahead. No, I mean, I was going to say, um, you know, we're going back to like the characters in a movie and stuff like, and, and really kind of touching on what you're saying is like my best friend who's agnostic and he's a, a successful director, but we were talking about faith films and I, I always think of him when I'm making a faith film, like, would he watch this film, you know? And he, we were talking about, um, he said, well, look, most of the, your faith, not mine, but he said, most of these faith films, like we talked about, he said in the beginning, it's a Christian who has fallen from his faith. He's like, yeah, I've never, I've never, I can't, I don't know that person. I've never, I don't know a lot of Christians. He's like, I've never fallen from my faith. He's like, right. so I, I can't get on board. He said, but like in, for instance, where hope grows, the character starts out and you don't know his faith, but the Christian is funny because the Christian audience thought he was a Christian who had fallen away. And then the other, the broader audience thought he was just a dude who was just a guy. And then he kind of experiences this journey. And so it's cool. I like to, again, letting people bring their own backstories to kind of fill it in. So they have that affinity for that character, I think goes a long way. Instead mm. of having to map out everything and spell out everything and, you know, all this exposition dump and stuff. Right. And then tell us, can you tell us a little bit about Priceless, how you met King and Country? I don't know if you knew them before and how that all developed with them. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, John Chapman, who um, is over at the record label, uh, he had seen Where Hope Grows. And so he hit me up and um, I didn't know him. He found my, uh, he got my phone. He said, uh, he said, the boys are looking to, to make a movie. And he's like, I think you might be the guy to, to, you know, to come on and write it. So he's like, would you like to meet him? And um, and I didn't really know them that I didn't know their music that well, but I, so I turned on their music and I was like, dude, these guys are pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. They're good. <laughs> yeah. So I cruised out and I met with, um, with Ben Smallbone, who's the brother who directed it. And then I met with Joel the next day in Nashville and we all hit it off and we started talking about their idea of this, what the story could be. And they, you know, they had an idea of what they wanted to do. And, and then we decided, yeah, let's do it. And so they said, go have at it. And, and I mean, honestly, like the, I think the first Past, I did the first in, in seven days, maybe ten days. Like I, I just banged it out, and it. Um, wow. And then obviously, then obviously from there, you know, we went through changes and stuff, and then I left to go direct to run the race at the end, and then um, another guy came on to do the last little pass to finish it off. So, um, but it turned out. I mean, again, um, you know, there's always things, that, especially when you have to hand it off, that I would like differently done. Like I do think sure. in that one, it did get a little on the nose in some places with some of the dialogue, but. Um, but overall, I mean, I think Ben did a great job directing it. Joel's great in it. Um, you know, and people uh, seem to enjoy it and like it. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, yeah, now, you know, do, yeah. Do you think that, okay, I'm going to go back to Blue Miracle because Blue Miracle, if anyone doesn't know this, is trending on Netflix. It, it was like, I, I saw it when I first saw it. I was like, what is that movie? And it's before I knew who you were, Chris. So I was, I told my husband, I think I want to watch it. It's like one of the top 10 right now. Like I like to watch all the top 10s. Like I have to see what's going on. So Chris, I want to ask you about the success of Blue Miracle because I know obviously on Netflix, how many people have watched it and what is this doing to you right now in your mind and your heart? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, because to be just, we were number two in the world for weeks. And um, I mean, when you just look at the map, the idea that there's probably somewhere roughly in between, I mean, who knows, because, you know, Netflix is pretty tight lit, but like somewhere in between 30 and 50 million people have probably seen it already, you know? Um, oh, not my many, gosh. 
especially for our movie, because our movie, like you take an account and then you think that probably a family is watching or two or three people. So it's like when you really think about the amount of eyeballs that have actually seen the movie across the world, um, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, to, to, to think that, um, you know, now where I go in places like if I said, hey, I, you know, I was a writer on Blue Miracle, like people will go, oh, dude, we love that movie. I mean, I've already had it happen. Like, I mean, I've had so many people reach out to me that have seen it. So, I mean just to be here in that moment and then to have it be like an inspirational film that is getting so much traction and like there's all this inbound you know work coming in and i've already got other projects that are much bigger now that are going out and it's just like it's just this crazy swirling time of like uh awesomeness so um but yeah i mean blue miracle super proud of it and just the amount of people that have it is uh it's kind of mind-blowing to be honest with you wow and how can uh people get a hold of you if they want to contact you, not that you're not too busy. And can you sneak peek a project you're working on? Um, sneak, certainly sneak talk a project I'm working on. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a dinosaur, so I don't, I mean, I don't really do anything fancy, uh, but uh, I've got a little, uh, my, my, you know, my Instagram is Chris underscore Dowling underscore director, but I'm not good at it. And um, I probably started it 20 years too late. And, um, or you can find me on Facebook or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean like, uh, you know, I've got a musical coming up that I'm really excited about uh, with the guys who did another project called A Week Away, which was a big, big hit on Netflix. It was a faith-based musical. And so we've got one of those that's going to be filming in Nashville. And then um, another project I'm excited about is um, I'm doing the biopic of a, a, a Nashville legend named Little Jimmy Dickens. And um, there's some exciting people that are teamed up and working with that one. And it, um, it really tells the story of him and his wife from like 1968 to 71. But it, like the Grand Ole Opry is m- very much a character in that one and just nashville at that time and country music and um so i'm super fired up about that one but there's there's a handful i mean there's probably five projects right now that are going that um and and you know they, they're getting bigger in scope which is very exciting you know for me and um, i'm very grateful obviously like but um you know i mean i just again as long as i'm making movies you know that are uh, impacting people um and my favorite movie i've ever done is a movie called where hope grows um you know stars an individual with down syndrome i mean in fact hollywood reporter said it was the first english-speaking movie that starred an individual with down syndrome so wow. um, very proud of that one i think we might be getting that one back out again which would be amazing um but um so yeah just i don't know man i just want to keep creating things that affect people i guess that's so good and i want to ask you one last question what about the critics we know that rotten tomatoes and everyone else we i don't need to name them all they love to critique movies and honestly i don't ever look at them they've never really been accurate. (laughs) I look at what the people think and I'm like, I'm there, I'm gonna watch that. So what do you do when you see those different critics on when they're not so happy with what you created? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think think in my old grizzled age, I am, uh, my my, my skin is thick enough that now I read and they uh, honestly, they kind of go in and out. Um, Somebody told me, and it's pretty true that if, if you're being real and you're doing a faith-based film and you score on Rotten Tomatoes in between kind of the 40 and 50 mark, like you have a really good faith-based movie because that means you didn't go try to handpick a bunch of faith critics to give you good stuff. Like you just kind of like right. that's just where it landed. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of my movies at least, I get dinged on um, the content and not like the shoot. Like they will be very compliment- complimentary about like the shooting style and some of the, the characters, the dialogue a lot of times but it almost always comes down to an issue with the content or in the third act, if, you know, 
fake is found or whatever. I, I remember there was one, I think it was New York Times, and they were talking about Where Hope Grows, and they said, uh, Where Hope Grows is it, it like, it was like, is a, is a great um, uh, inspirational film or whatever, and then it says, Until God Shows Up. And I'm like, obviously, I know. Yeah, to me, it's like, it's, like watch, it's like you're watching a horror film, and then you're like, oh, it's a great horror film, until the monster shows up. I mean, it's like they don't understand the genre or the audience. So, like, the idea that you would watch a faith film and not expect there to be a faith challenge in there, it, it blows my mind. But that's the way they go into it. They don't evaluate it by what the audience is looking for or what the intent is. You know, they just look at it like, hey, I don't agree with this, or this isn't, you know, I don't, this doesn't fit in my space. So, you know, I don't like the content. So, it, no, it offends it. it offends their belief system, I think. And it maybe it might be hitting home a little too hard, and that could be a reason why someone is very critical. So yeah. Chris, thank you. And, and, I mean that's and, and, go and, ahead. Well I was gonna say real quick, and too, the other thing is like I'll read some of the criticisms and I agree. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not above reading them and going, you know what? You're right. Like that I could have done that better, or this could be better, or you know, maybe I'll Absolutely. try to do better. Yeah, th thanks for that. Thanks for that, hater. I love it. Thanks for helping me critique myself. I, thank you so much, Chris. You've really inspired us today and me personally. I am so excited to see your next projects, but also I'm going to do some backlogging on things that I haven't seen yet that you've done. So everyone, you know, we want to thank Chris for coming on Annie's Pink Chair, and we'll see you next time. When I say that I cried at the end of this movie and that rarely happens for me, I meant it. I really want you to check out Blue Miracle, Chris Dowling's on Netflix. This is one of his projects and it really moved me. And I'm really sure it's going to move you too. What it did for me was remind me that my trauma can be healed and I can use my pain for good. So I want you to check this out and please go visit Netflix and watch Blue Miracle. I'm Omar, but boys call me Papa Omar. You could join us. Join you? Yeah, I Casa Hogar. I'm not no orphan. I just moved that floor. Can't expect street kids to learn manners overnight. You've got 20 years to learn, Omar. Everybody has their trials and their tribulations. All right, listen up, guys. Attention. There's a storm that's going to reach the coast in a few hours. The good news, after we get done eating, we can line sandbags to protect from flooding. We're orphans, not idiots. Maybe God just wanted to get all the unluckiest kids in one building so he could crush us yeah, all at once. Yeah, get enough. Hurricane Odile was the biggest storm we've seen in decades. How much food do we have left? About a week. My name is Captain Wade Malloy, and I am the only two-time champion of Bisbee's Black and Blue Tournament. World's biggest fishing tournament. Best teams in the world compete for millions in prizes. Sorry, but I'm afraid you don't qualify for this list. What if you team me up with a local fisherman? Doesn't have to be anybody even good. Doesn't even have to be a fisherman. With them? Those kids? Here's the deal. You and three of your least annoying orphans will be on my boat for the competition. When I catch the winning fish, we'll split the earnings. Caprende? I know why my mom left me now. Oh, God, here we go. So I could help you win this tournament. Of course she did. 
We've never had a chance, but we still have to try.